you know, being a good employee or being a leader, the key is to use the data that you have to just educate that executive on the decision that they're making. Because if they see it through that lens, they may determine that it does not make sense to do that. But otherwise, they're trying to just reduce overhead just to be able to kind of see the plan. You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. I'm thrilled today to have our guest, uh, Grayson LaFrenz, on our podcast here today. Uh, Grayson is founder and CEO of Power Digital. Grayson, uh, you know, it's great to have you on board. Great to be here with you, Jason. appreciate you having me and excited to chat with you. Great. Uh, and for our listeners, maybe you can uh, you know, say a bit about you know, Power Digital, uh, what you guys do, what your focus is. Yeah, so Power Digital is a tech-enabled service business, and the technology platform is called Nova, and it sits at the core of everything we do. But at its core, it's a first-party data platform that gives us a real advantage to determine where brands can experience growth, where they can scale further, you know, where their strategy lacks or execution lacks, et cetera. But our revenue model is performance marketing services. So we work with leading brands to help them drive better, more qualified traffic, convert that traffic at a higher clip, and then take their best audiences and further monetize them and attract more customers that have the highest lifetime value. Got it. Well, that's, that's certainly relevant uh, you know, to, to marketers today. Um, you know, and Grayson, I understand you guys are operating at, at some real scale. How, how big is the team these days? Yeah, I think we have, I think we just broke 600 employees. So we're really lucky, 600 team members throughout the country. And then we have offices in San Diego and New York City and DC. But obviously these days people work from uh, whatever makes them happiest. So very lucky to have the team all over the country and get a pick the best talent from all the different markets. Got it. No, that's great. And I, I can't help but notice the, the beautiful surfboard over your right shoulder. Uh, hopefully you still get, you get time out to, you know, to hit the waves. <laughs> yeah, every now and then. That was actually a client gift, I think, from the second client we ever had. So it used to be on the wall at our office. I'm, I'm working from home right now in San Diego, but uh, we bashed through that wall many years ago. So I snagged it and uh, it's a good conversation starter always. Got it. Great. So I'm really excited for our conversation today. You know, for our listeners, you know, obviously Grayson with the, you know, the scale uh, and scope of Power Digital, you know, coupled with his focus around first-party data and activation, um, you know, you're really excited to dig in. You know, we were talking you know, the other day around, you know, really what's happening in the market. Um, you know, are we in a recession? Uh, we're certainly now officially in a bear market. You know, with this really just comes, you know, changes to how you know, CMOs all the way down you know, to marketing managers really just need to rethink some of their strategies. And with this, we wanted to focus today uh, on how these changes are just impact, impacting marketing, impacting budgets, impacting strategies, and how really you know, we're seeing that more broadly across brands of all, all, all shapes and sizes. You know, Grace, maybe we'll just sort of start at, uh, at the top, uh, you know, and you know, no pun intended, or maybe every pun intended, uh, you know, because six months ago, uh, you know, the name of the game was all around top line revenue. Uh, you know, for many brands, it was growth at all costs. Uh, it was, you know, how, how, how can you, you get that land share of customers and define what you're doing? We've all, you know, on Simon's side, I've certainly seen a shift here to a bit more uh, of approach around the bottom line, broader business goals and, and directives. But what are you seeing across you know, your customers and you know, how are CMOs and marketing teams responding to this uh, and how are goals impacted? Yeah, you're, you're spot on and it's wild. I mean, it's wild how different the environment, the economy. I don't even know if I would say it's the economy yet, but just the way that businesses are operating is very different today than it was even three months ago. 
And uh, to me, it reminds me a lot, actually, of the first couple months of COVID to some extent, where I think um, for, for a lot of businesses, I don't know that they've necessarily felt a decline in business as much as they're hearing the news cycle and there's a lot of fear over what's coming. And so I think that unknown and uncertainty causes CEOs to really look at their uh, P&Ls and balance sheets and get more conservative. So I think one thing we're seeing, and you know, it's interesting because you know we do this with our own business, is you go into your P&L and you sort by your highest monthly expenses down and you start to really scrutinize and evaluate and say, what is mission critical right now? Or what can we put a pause or a hold on to just you know stockpile as much cash as we can and see how things kind of settle? And I think that makes a lot of sense. But I think for marketers, you know, it's a really good reminder. And so whether you work in-house at a brand or you're a CMO or you're on the agency side, you know, I think you'll see a lot of pulling back on budgets, but not always through the lens of data. And what I mean by that is a lot of CEOs are going to go and say, what could we cut that maybe we don't think on the surface drives value today? It doesn't mean that it doesn't drive value on the surface today. And so I think, you know, being a good employee or being a leader, the key is to use the data that you have to just educate that executive on the decision that they're making. Because if they see it through that lens, they may determine that it does not make sense to do that. But otherwise, they're trying to just reduce overhead just to be able to kind of see the playing field longer. So that's the first thing. And I think it's a great opportunity for talent to really stand out. And I think most executives, and especially if you're in a good company culture, they're going to value a little bit of pushback and friction on a decision that on the surface maybe makes sense, but when you look deeper, the data maybe does not. So I think it uh, represents a good opportunity there. I think the other challenge that we've seen, especially with e-commerce brands, is Facebook has been very problematic. And you know that's not a new thing. It happened about a year ago, about this time a year ago, where the data privacy changes really rolled out. But where we've seen it start to hit a lot harder is probably over the last four months. And I think it's just the number of people that are opting out of tracking and things of that nature. But the challenge there is twofold. One is there's a lot of brands out there that you would know that have created these Pareto customer situations for themselves with Facebook. So just like in my business or in your business, you know, you wanna look at your customer base and you don't wanna have a huge percentage of your revenue tied to one customer because if you lose that customer, it can cause big problems. It can cause job security issues for employees. It can cause major setbacks financially. Well, we've seen a lot of brands that have done that with Facebook. So it's such a big part of their customer acquisition funnel. And it's been so good to them for so long that they didn't test enough and diversify to get a more healthy channel mix. And so as the, the efficiencies in Facebook have had some decline, you know, it's caused panic for some of those brands and it's forced them to now diversify. So I think that's another really important thing to look at, not just with Facebook, but just across your whole funnel and make sure that you're cautious. And then the last thing I'll say before I uh, pass it back to you and stop talking for so long on your question <laughs> is um, also a mistake that we see businesses typically make when the market gets tough, same, same situation in COVID as right now, is they start to really focus on efficiency, just like you said. So less top line, more efficiency. And that can be really risky because sometimes on the advertising side, what we see is they just start beating their current lists. And so they start expediting the new or the next order and it spikes efficiency and revenue for the time being, but that shoe will drop at some point. And so I think it's more important than ever that brands are really smart and methodical about looking at how they're acquiring new customers and that cost and what they're willing to pay 
but also the efficiency side. And we see too many brands that we believe kind of quickly lean into hammering the current lists. And we think that's a pretty short-sighted move and can lead to some major problems in a few months down the road. Yeah, no, I mean, it's super interesting just sort of reflecting on, uh, you know, and hearing sort of you know, speak about some of the changes that we're seeing. We certainly see this across uh, our customers. We're certainly asking these questions of Simon Data as well. You know, and it really, in some sense, serves as a forcing function to, you know, to ask some of the hard questions that maybe you didn't ask before. You know, I really love the point you made around, uh, you know, individuals and really, you know, you know taking data to the next level uh, and how this is really an opportunity, you know, for folks to really, uh, at all levels of the organization, to step forward uh, you know, to be more data driven, to take ownership around the outcomes of what they're doing on a daily basis, um, you know, and to really you know, you know, ask, uh, both ask and demonstrate, you know, whether the work that they're doing justify from a business perspective. Um, and by the way, if it's not working, you know, even just the act of demonstrating or having that conversation that maybe we haven't had in the last three months, six months, you know, 12 months, 24 months, you know, bring that to the forefront, you know, I, I think it's a real opportunity for everyone to really um, you know, level up where they are, level up the business, uh, and really gets to have a uh, you know, kumbaya moment where we all come together uh, and ask, are we making the right investments? Going into Facebook, I think it's, you know, you know it's very interesting just around business continuity. Um, you know, and you know, we, we've certainly seen, you know, you know we, we grew up in the era in New York City with, you know, a tremendous number of, of vertically integrated brands, direct to consumer across uh, you know, eyewear across, you know, contact lenses across, you know, you know dog and cat food and, uh, and everything at all. And, and some of these brands really just, you know, were built on backs of Facebook, you know, and, and there's so many ninjas that we've, that we've sort of worked with across our customer base. We just understand the ecosystem tremendously well. Uh, but for whatever reason, you know, you know, market conditions, changes around, you know, third-party data, you know, changes to Facebook's algorithms, you know, changes to consumer behaviors, uh, you, know, you know, the efficacy we're seeing in Facebook has changed over the last several quarters. And, you know, that in some sense is almost independent of some of the market changes, right? Uh, and then you layer in the market changes on top of this, and suddenly we're in ex this exact situation where, you know, you sort of have this like, you know, imperfect storm or perfect storm, if you will, that really aligns, you know, the challenges that folks are having with Facebook. Uh, and then the market pressures around, you know, cost and business continuity relative to, uh, you know, acquiring them efficiently, and then also being completely dependent on them, you know, during these difficult times. Yeah, totally. And one of the interesting things with Facebook is I think uh, there's definitely some loss of like efficiency from that channel, from that advertising channel. But the interesting thing is a lot of it is just attribution versus contribution and how brands think about attribution. And a lot of brands are trained to work off of a last click attribution basis. And that's what they're used to. And, you know, some of the most common analytics platforms that you use kind of default to that Google Analytics, et cetera. But when we we did a pretty in-depth study on the impact of Facebook ads, and what we found is that it's actually three point, it has, it has over three times as much revenue impact as what is reported in the last click attribution engine. And so that's the other kind of educational challenge that's required is that that gap and Delta wasn't as big in the past and it's much bigger now. And so part of it also is, you know, being able to make that point with the right folks on the brand side and prove that to them. And so I think on top of all things, that's the challenge. And then I also think the next couple of months will be really interesting because what we typically see is some big seasonality for especially e-commerce businesses during the summer and there's heightened travel and things like that. And so this summer will be really interesting to see how that shakes out because 
one would think that there'll be a lot of travel with this kind of pent up demand where people haven't been able to do that as much because of COVID and that type of thing. So I think when you talk about a perfect storm between the changes on Facebook, the economic news and the economic news cycle, seasonality that's coming down the pipe, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of people play it very safe and try to be very conservative, you know, over the next three to four months specifically. Yeah, no, and getting back to the point you made around data and measurement, you know, there's the, you know, the adage in, in marketing that you only know, you know, you know that half of your marketing you know, budget is working, but you know, I have no idea which half. I, I always look at that as complete bullshit uh, as a data guy by trade. And, you know, I think it's times like this, you know, when analyses that, you know, like what, like you, what you just described will force, you know, force folks to really, you know, look a lot more closely to, you know, to, you know, to what's driving what uh, and developing, uh, developed a much more articulated perspective on, um, you know, what's actually driving revenue. For sure. And I think even just simple things that brands can do on some of the more top of funnel uh, channels, like uh, incrementality testing and, you know, isolating different factors to see lift is something that all brands, regardless of size, can be doing. And one of the things that's always concerned me a little bit with some of the data privacy changes is I think it it tends to tip the scale to the advantage of big business. And I don't think that's what, you know, I don't think that's the intention of it. And I think one of the really neat things about the internet and internet businesses over the last, you know, five, 10 years is that it's really encouraged entrepreneurship and removed those barriers. And the playing field has been more level than ever for a startup versus a, a player that's been in the space for a long time. In fact, I'd say sometimes those startups had more speed, more velocity, more ability to take chances and be a little edgier and stand out. But is uh, first party data, obviously, it's becoming more and more critical just because the quality and, and access to other data sources is going to continue to diminish. To me, that drives the biggest uh, advantage to the big companies that have massive amounts of first party data and have the uh, ability from a, a financial perspective to scale those teams, to invest in great partners, to invest in great technology. And so that's going to be interesting to see as well, because I think, you know, the political leaders and people that ultimately were part of why this, this occurred, they want to see small business growth and they want to see entrepreneurship growth because it's always been the lifeblood of our economy. But this, these changes feel risky to me in kind of disrupting what I think was a big advantage for startups and small businesses and challenger brands and kind of puts the power back into the big corporation. Yeah, no. And, and you know, it, it, is, it is a difficult situation, you know, because one thing that we certainly see broadly across the market is even for, you know, for smaller brands who do have data, Using it and having the right you know, technology platforms, people, and systems you know, in place to actually you know, drive value from that is, is, is a whole nother challenge on top of this. Uh, that coupled with the fact that you know, a recession by nature always impacts the smaller guys because they don't have the, you know, the reserves to operate for years and years on end at a loss. Whereas you know, the, the mega corporations can make insane bets around the, the metaverse uh, you know, and, uh, and really have, have, have no huge concerns whether it, it takes off next quarter or next year. For sure. No, I agree. And I think right now, too, for the listeners, again, these times are the times that you can really stand out and differentiate yourself. And so I think even for the marketing teams that are working on a brand, you know, it's a good time to move from just that pure marketing focus to a little bit more business intelligence. And so I think things that brands should be looking at in these times is things like conversion paths and what products are most efficiently converting new customers and uh, you know, really focusing on that profitability angle. And I think 
to your point, one of the biggest things that we see, it frustrates me within our business and with our leadership team, but I see it with entrepreneurs, I see it with clients, is a lot of times it's not necessarily that they lack the data uh, or data integrity, but oftentimes that they don't know the action that the data is telling them to do. And then they don't measure that action well if they do. And so to me right now, us as a company, you know, practicing what we preach, we're really looking with a fine tooth comb at every single leading indicator within our business that really predicts what next month will be like and the next month and the next. And we're saying not only what is the trend that it's telling us, but what are the more concerning trends there? And then what, what could we do that's going to be very different that can drive a different result from what we're seeing in that leading indicator? And so I think every brand should be looking at that and more than ever should be really focused on those leading indicators and that predict future financial performance because the longer you wait to do that, or I guess the better that you are with that, the longer you can wait to make certain hard decisions and also the earlier you can make moves on some of these opportunities. And there should be a lot of market consolidation uh, across the board and you know, the type of economy that's being talked about and those that make it through and stay strong, you know, they may see you know, lower profit margins for a period of time, but that's when you can come out and really take market share and dominate. And so I think uh, thinking of it as that opportunity and taking it serious and being more data-driven, really focusing on that finance and looking through the front windshield is the best thing that we could all be doing in a time like this. I, I couldn't agree more with that. I actually uh, founded my previous startup you know, during the 2008 you know, financial crisis. Uh, we signed a term sheet. I think we just closed financing right before the market started to crash. Uh, I was actually reading up on, on, on exactly some of the details because it's been you know 13 years over the weekend. Uh, I think the markets lost 50% of their value uh, relative to an 18 month period prior by 2009. Yeah, so we're down 20% now, 20 something, maybe low 21 or so, something around there. I don't know exactly, but we're nowhere near 50%. Uh, yeah, so it's hard to reflect back there. But at the end of the day, um, we looked at the situation. We had we had money in the bank. Yeah, we had a great vision. We had a great product, and we had a great strategy, and we just executed. You know, and ultimately, uh, you know, folks who can you know put their heads down, really doubling down on the bare minimum. You know, that defines what you're doing. Uh, you know, the elements of the strategy that are, are essential. Uh, you know, while at face value, uh, you know, seems really hard. You know, everyone is going through the same challenges, and it can really play to play to your advantage if executed uh, properly. For sure. And I also think it's a smart time for businesses to look at their forecast for the year and their goals and determine, is that still viable? Hopefully it is. And you go after it. It's not to say you're not going to go after it fully regardless, but it is a good time to reforecast to some extent and just to make sure that you still have that clear path there. Because I think in these down years, and I'm not saying that this year will be one of them, but if you think back to you know when you started your last company, at those times, I mean, if you're a business that has scale, if you're flat year over year, you're looking really good and that you're going to come out of this thing real clean. If you're up at all year over year, that's super positive. So I think it's a great time for companies to become more valuable. And I mean, I've seen it in our business. There's areas that we probably got a little fat and bloated over the last three years, just because you're growing like crazy, you're moving fast. It's not that you're doing it intentionally. You're just not operating as tight as you can when you're having major growth. And so to some extent, COVID did the same thing for us. It forces you to go back to the fundamentals of running a really great profitable business and not investing in areas that don't require it or doing it earlier to where you lose efficiency because of it. So I, I think for us, you know, we started these exercises at the beginning of the year as we felt like something was coming and 
you know, we've just, we're looking at the numbers and we're looking at those leading indicators and models every week as an executive team. And it gives us a lot of comfort in where we're going. And, you know, we feel that from a, from a lot of factors, it's going to be a great thing. But I also think diversifying customer base has a lot of value in times like this, because there's going to be sectors that get hit harder than others. And then there's going to be sectors that actually win and excel through this period of time. Very much how I think e-commerce and consumer overall did through the thick of COVID, um, where it just forced a lot more demand, you know, to the internet and whether that's to the dot-com or to Amazon or other retailers. So those are the opportunities that, you know, we're looking for, we're helping our clients look for. And I think um, for a lot of the audience that's listening to this podcast, there's probably more opportunity today for you and your career, especially if you're ambitious, you want to be a CMO one day or an entrepreneur. Now is the time to really study what is going on and who's the winners and who's the losers and, and uh, you know, get even closer to the goals and the data than you've ever been before. Yep. No, hundred percent. And we're, we're coming up on time here, Grayson. Uh, we have a new, you know, brand new fun, uh, you know, you know, part of the podcast that we were piloting, piloting with you. Um, you know, and, and the question is, uh, if you were to sit down and have this conversation, you know, with any CEO of any brand, who would it be and why? Good question. You know, jokingly, I'd probably say Mark Zuckerberg. I want to, I want to learn uh, what the plan is with the ad platform over at Facebook, and if they've, uh, you know, bailed on that to put all their talent on uh, on bigger future projects. But um, more realistically, actually, very lucky because probably the person that I would have said months ago is uh, actually Ben Kirshner, who is a board member for Power Digital. And so I get to pick his brain all the time. He was the uh, founder of Elite SEM, which is a platform company that became Tenuity, who's a big competitor of ours. Um, and so Ben uh, just has been through these cycles. Uh, he's a little older than I am. And so he's gotten to navigate through multiple cycles and has been there and done that. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people have made a lot of money over the last 10 years or so. And it's been pretty easy to do, whether in real estate or in other areas, but the people that have done it through multiple cycles, you know, they just have an experience that you can't have if you haven't done it. Got it. Well, that's, that's a great answer. And I'm, I'm sure you feel uh, blessed to have someone on your board who you would also answer this question around this topic, which is you know, so time pressing and, uh, and, and critical for you know, your business and you know, obviously all of our listeners. So that, that's, that's super cool. Well, thanks, Grayson, for coming on to the episode today and, and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, you know, really, when I reflect on the conversation, it's really about opportunity. Um, you know, I think this is you know, epitomizing the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you know, and I think for, you know, for, 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 for many brands, especially smaller folks, uh, you know, this really represents a massive opportunity to, uh, you know, further define what you're doing, uh, you know, everything down from, you know, top, top line business strategy, uh, you know, down to the lowest level line item around your marketing budget. And I, I really was inspired by a lot of your, your advice, uh, and tips and, and sort of guidance, um, you know, you know, to really just use this opportunity, uh, use, the, you know, use the recession and, and certainly what seems like tremendously difficult times to be smarter, to be faster, to be more data-driven, um, you know, and for individuals to further your career and for businesses just to come out uh, in a better place. And Grayson, for anyone who wants to learn more about Power Digital, uh, you know, where, you know, where should they go? Yeah, check out our website, powerdigital.com or uh, follow us and hit me up on LinkedIn um, or Instagram and I uh, would love to connect with you. And Jason, thank you so much for uh, having me on the podcast. It was great to get a chat with you and a real pleasure. Likewise. Uh, and thank you to everyone uh, listening to this episode of the Data Unlocked podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, please visit, visit us on the web at simondata.com or email us at hello at simondata. You've been listening to The Data Unlocked. 
You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.